Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Episode four, Midnight in May with yours truly, Manny Galarza. Got another nice show for you tonight. A few special guests, as usual. You coming through, some fighters you might recognize. And we'll be looking at the week that was in mixed martial arts. Talking about, uh, of course, UFC Vegas 68. Looking at uh, the week ahead, going over Bellator 290, Emilienko retiring. All that good jazz. And then we'll talk some top top stories in uh, mixed martial arts. Conor McGregor is just always in the top lead stories, right? He's doing the tough thing. That's awesome. We'll talk about that. Of course, he's got the the recent yacht issue we talked about. Now he got into a, a bicicleta, him and his bicycle. They got hit by a car. Maybe he did nothing wrong. He just finds his way into the lead news, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that. I'll try to garner as much feedback as possible from whatever audience we do have trying to tap into all the midnight owls out there. So again, recapping Vegas, Spivak versus Lewis. We'll briefly touch on PFL week two, which was last Friday. Seems like an eternity, eternity ago. Bellator 290. I have a reveal for you. Every week I'm going to reveal a lock bet that's provided by one of our content partners. That's Cody over at Blood Money MMA. And he gave us his lock of the week. I have the video evidence. It was sent to me before the fights. I couldn't download it, though, so it kind of gave me a problem. I was unable to figure figure that part out. But we're going to talk about his lock, and he got it. He got it right. And then again, lead stories. We're going to talk about Connor, his bike, his bicycle accident. How about the Logan Paul KSI agreement with Dana and the UFC? That's amazing. We'll talk some details on that. Fader Melianko retiring. Very interesting way that Bellator handled it. I thought it was handled well, but it was interesting. <clears throat> Maybe set a precedent. Kind of like, you know, adjust this camera here. Remember when, like, athletes in, in basketball started to get the drill of, like, you know, how they should retire, announce ahead of time, have a whole full-year full tour, say buy at every stadium, you know, really milk it. <clears throat> maybe maybe what Emilienko did was sort of breaking that concept out, you know, because they did roll out the red carpet for him. That was nice. Rockhold is in talk to Bellator. The same Rockhold who, after his last fight with Costa, was like, I'm out of here, I'm done, I'm retiring. Not so much. Not so much. Just a quick moment for our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the web for fighter film? You don't want to pay extra subscription fees to watch old fights? Well, FightTube is on the job. FightTube is creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library that can be accessed from a traditional computer or mobile device. FightTube's beta version is set to launch this spring. FightTube.org, the MMA video library. Look forward to the release of FightTube. Get a subscription myself. I'm sure I could garner one maybe for free since doing some of their advertising. In any case, let's jump into the meat. 
first meet would be UFC Vegas 68, Spivak versus Lewis. We're going to go over the results of each fight. We're going to also go over the results of how we did here, our bet tip sheet and how it kind of panned out for us. It was not a spectacular night for us by any means. We like did a hamster wheel performance, just running in place, up a little, down a little, up a little, down a little, finishing with like, I don't know, plus something, plus some amount of embarrassing amount of return after all this work, right? Bellator, we finished a little negative there. I'm not sure how that equal out. We'll talk about it. And then PFL was just like Bellator. We're like right below the break-even threshold. So overall, three events ran in circles basically like a hamster. <laughs> Learned a few things. Uh, picked up on a few things along the way. And also saw a few things from... You know, just just some fighters that maybe either we were looking to see what's next for them, or in the case of Fedor Melianko, that was a really nice scene. I enjoyed seeing that. I felt like we had a like it was like a dinosaur. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's like watching a dinosaur. That's the best way to put it. A man's been fighting forever. <laughs> He has been fighting forever. All right, so let's talk about UFC Vegas 68. Let's look at it here. Pulling up the tapology because some of it up the top of my head, I do remember, and some of it might be a little foggy. It's one day later. Getting old. So main event, Sergey Spivak versus Derek Lewis. What ends up happening here is a round one submission by Spivak Spivak, by nobody's surprise, looked at some point for a trip, a takedown, or something. What we saw unfold was more of a ragdolling. In Lewis's defense, he tried to get up consistently, repetitively. You know, try to get up, try to do something, anything he possibly could, he tried. And unfortunately, just, you know, Kept getting taken back down. Kept getting returned back to the mat. It looked like a, a prototypical, like a high school wrestling match where it was two heavyweights. Except Lewis was losing the battle. You see, <laughs> he was the one on the on the right, on the wrong end of the stick. Um, and so ultimately, what ends up happening is you have uh, just a wrestling clinic going on by Spivak. At some point, Lewis starts to fatigue, and then Sergey comes in. And gets a beautiful you know, triangle arm choke. It was like Lewis rolled right into it. Perfectly for Spivak. Not so perfect if you're Lewis. Lewis is a tough loss for him because, okay, you lose the fight, but it was dominance. I think he landed something crazy like three fights. Three, I'm sorry, three fights. Three punches of some kind. Just three. So one-way traffic. Spivak has evolved a little bit. We had chosen Derek Lewis to win the fight, so we were on the wrong side there. We had a quarter unit straight up for Lewis to to win. Excuse me, no, we did not. We did not have an individual play on Lewis, but we did have Lewis in like uh, a few like prop bets, like a small little play on Lewis to win by round one TKO. That was plus seven hundred. Didn't happen. Lewis by round two TKO was plus eleven hundred. We had like a 
tenth of a unit on that. You know, ten bucks to return one point one units. We also had a parlay. It was Lewis and Clark to win, which gave you plus eight one five plus eight fifteen. Unfortunately, Lewis didn't win. Clark did. We should have. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> we should have done Clark with. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, Kinoshita, right? That would have been... Uh, I'm sorry, not Kinoshita. What am I saying? Clark with um, the guy who beat Kinoshita, Fugit. That was the play, right? Fugit did a great job. So in any case, yeah, when it came to betting on Lewis, we didn't really have a lot riding on that fight. We didn't have that kind of confidence. The prop bets we were looking at for that fight were... Give me a second here, pulling it up. We had our eyes on the fight going under two and a half, which it did, which is minus 450. A round one KO by Spivak. That was plus 700, but again, a round one submission. Anytime KO by Lewis was plus 240. The fight not starting round five was minus 500. I know it sounds silly. You know, it's very juicy, but we put that to some parlays because we figured it probably would be safe, and it was. Let's move on down. Co-main event, Devin Clark versus Da Eun Jung. And Devin Clark does a great job here. Gets a gets a win, gets it the way that I believe we talked about this in our prediction video and may have written about it in our Substack newsletter. That's a plug. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter, please. The link's down below. We thought if he uses his wrestling, he's a shorter fighter, leverage, has a wrestling background, you know, has the body for it strong legs the whole nine he does this to da Eun jung gets just enough control time gets a very comfortable win all three judges had him winning 29 28 no serious drama in the fight maybe not the most exciting fight people were complaining about this card okay but ultimately you know it was a one-way traffic good win for him the one area we were way off on though with our like estimations of what could happen in this fight because we saw a way that devin clark could win we had a play on Devin Clark. We had Devin Clark, a quarter unit just straight up on the money line, which was sitting at, one second here, plus 205. So a quarter unit to return, just over a half unit, right? Excuse me a second, I'm about to sneeze again. My, my dog or my cat's getting my allergies going. Anyway, so we do hit that spot. Uh, Devin Clark... To win by TKO was plus 550. We had a small play on that. Of course, it didn't hit. And that's where we were wrong. We did have Clark, no distance. Him, His fight versus Jung was minus 200. And we just felt like either Jung is going to get to Clark, knock him out, or Clark would catch him with a big overhand. Remember last fight for Jung, he got, he got rocked, got knocked out. Weren't sure if that was him being chinny or was it a you know fast stoppage, whatever. But in this case here, excuse me a second. In this case here, uh, we end up having a nice decision win for Clark, but we didn't have the right read there. And so from a betting perspective, that did take one of our parlays out of uh, commission, even though we got the individual bet right. So kind of like half glass full. That's going to be a theme in this card where we take two steps forward, we take two steps back, and then... One leg in and one leg out. <laughs> if you're just joining us right now, we're reviewing the entire UFC Vegas 68 card. Each fight going backwards, what the results were, how we did, 
Uh, hopefully we'll be joined uh, at some point by guests throughout the night. So, you know, pay attention. They'll be coming in whenever they can come in. Uh, but we'll be talking about UFC Vegas 68. We'll be recapping Bellator 290, talking about Fedor, some top stories in the mixed martial arts world. And uh, if you're here stopping by and you're here watching us on YouTube, you're welcome to give some feedback. We'll do the best we can to keep up with the with the chat, which shouldn't be too hard right now because we're catering to a, a quite a small audience. But all one or two or one of you, thank you for joining. Let's keep it rolling. So moving on down the card, that was the first two fights, Sergey and Devin Clark, first two going backwards, that is. Moving down to Marcin Tyboro versus Blagoy Ivanov. For the Tyboro fans or Tyboro supporters or those who've been on him, this was not too hard of a win for him. It was fairly simple. Maybe early on round one, there was some moments they were even or trading. Blagoy just looked old, even though they're about the same age, but Blagoy just looked old, looked kind of slow, didn't look great. Very limited at times. And Marcin does some wrestling, does some grappling, does some holding, does just enough, gets a nice, comfortable win. Can't complain about it. I heard some chatter like, oh, you know, Marcin's going to be a guy now to... <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a solid win. That's a that's a barren division, the heavyweight division. So for him, it's a big step forward. We really weren't touching this fight. Just did not have a good read in this fight. We did choose Marcin, Marcin Tyburo to win. But like the fight going the distance was minus 200, which is wild in a heavyweight fight, right? It's it dig up the distance, but it's just it's indicative of how they how they fight. Now, here's an interesting, interesting little note for you. In like our Excel sheet, we have the four props that we were looking at for this fight. And after the end of the night, we go back, we highlight color code. So right now I'm looking at them, they're all color-coded blue. Because the four props we were looking at for this fight were the fight going over two and a half at minus 250. That happened. The fight going distance minus 200. That happened. Decision win for Tybura, which was plus 150. Not a huge difference from the money line, which was like minus 130 for Tybura. And then the fight starting round three, which is minus 300. All four of those things happened in a fight that really ended up being just like the way you would expect it from two guys. That, for lack of better description, just tend to go to the scorecards, prototypical decisionators, and uh, you know that has its consequences, right? We'll talk about some of that as well when we get to the card, like going to the decision and how that could backfire. Speaking of backfiring, oh my gosh, this fight right here may have may have cost some people at least some sanity on Saturday night. It didn't really cost you a ticket because if you bet on someone to win and then it goes to something like this, which we haven't ending in a majority draw, the Doho Choi fight versus Kyle Nelson. So one hand, super frustrating. But if you were holding a Doho Choi ticket like we were, at least he didn't lose. Put it that way. I had a horrible feeling that when the point was taken away from him by the ref for the headbutt, I thought that's it. Because I saw the fight being very even at that point. So when that happened, I'm like, oh, no, we're in trouble here. I think that's going to be what it takes now for Kyle Nelson to get the fight. If you didn't see the fight, quick little replay for you. Daho Choi is on top of Kyle Nelson. Their arms are kind of wrapped up. If you do any movement, like your head's going to move. It was an ever so slight head, like a, like barely a butt of heads. It was very slight. Didn't look intentional. Um. Tyone, right? The referee's name's Tyone. He he steps in, 
bring the replay over here doing like the NBA stuff now. We got NBA, you know, type of stuff, replaying, whatever going on. They go to the monitors, they pull it up. You even see Tyone say, Can I, you know, I see it over here? I, I want, you know, and Tyone determines that's one point. I think everyone was was shocked by this because number one, it wasn't a repetitive foul. That's like the first criteria. Did, had it happened before or had the other committed some other fouls? No. Uh, the second thing was, okay, uh, w- was uh, was there a cut from it? I thought about that. I thought to myself, well, if there was a cut, right, or some kind of significant damage, or let's say like an injury, if it was some kind of other maneuver that caused an injury, and you're you know you're not sure, then maybe you have to take a point. In this case, no, it appeared nothing, just small little small little butt. Didn't even seem like anything to stop the fight. So, very weird moment. It cost Choi the win. The final result ends up being one judge had it 29-27 for Choi, which means that judge basically had it like 30-27 for Choi. <laughs> 30-27, yeah, for Choi. The other two judges, I guess, had it 29-28 for Choi, but by losing the point, it turned it into 28-28. That's what they announced, 29-28 and two scorecards, which gave it a split draw. Or majority draw, whatever. Which, interestingly enough to me, by the way, I, I, I understand the rule of the game, but if you win one scorecard and the other two are neutral, like, shouldn't get a win for that? So anyway, there goes that fight. Uh, a weird one to look at. We did have some action on the Choi fight, so that was a little frustrating. We had Choi to win by TK at plus 700 for a sl- small play. Didn't work out. We had Choi on the money line straight up. Two units to win, right? Straight up. At minus 190, which would have garnered us a 1.05 unit return. We don't lose the money that we put in. So, okay, whatever. Better than nothing. But we lost that opportunity to win that bet. So, again, that was super costly. Thank you, Mr. Tyone. I usually have much to say about the refs. They're just people that make mistakes. But it seemed like in that moment, mistake one was, why did you even stop them from fighting? Okay. Go to replay. That's a good decision. Mistake two is you glance at the replay and determine, yes, that's point worthy. Don't know what happened there. Maybe someone octagon side gave him that directive of like, yeah, it's worthy of a point. So yeah, tough fight to, to look at, tough fight for us because we had a chance there to win, but we don't end up losing, which is like the theme of this entire card for us and how we did. So moving down to the first fight in the main card, Adam Fugit versus Yusaka Kinoshida. Adam Fugit was the was the underdog, no question. Most people were passing on him as a potential candidate in the fight. Most people were on Kinoshida. I was. We were. I thought Kinoshida would for sure within, let's say, two rounds, find the chin of Fugit, get a finish. I talked about the left hand of Kinoshida, so on and so on. I remember the breakdown very clearly. Now, the best bet on this fight is the bet that my man Cody over at Blood Money Mate. And so Cody sent us every week a lock. This was his lock. He said under two and a half, I believe it was. Let me check my notes here because I don't want to misquote my man. Under two and a half, the Kinoshita versus Fugit fight at minus 140. That was his lock of the card. And if you consider that at minus 140 odds, that's not so bad. You, know, you put 100 bucks up, you're still making some cake there. 
If you believe his locks, you may be parlaying with something, make some more money somewhere else. But that was my man, Blood Money MMA. His link is down below as one of our content partners. And every single week, he'll be giving me a lock play. He's super sharp. I shouldn't say always. I don't want to jinx him, but he tends to always come out on top. He makes about four or five just basic bets. Doesn't do the parlaying thing. Tries to avoid the female stuff. I get it. Good, smart betting. So Adam Fugit comes in here, and he, what he does is he Fugits he Fugits up my uh, my uh, some of my, my tip sheet, my bet tip sheet. Now it was interesting because at some point we had an epiphany over here and thought to ourselves, we have so much going on with Kinoshita. Like he was in several parlays and you know, whatever. We thought let's put a full one unit bet on Adam Fugit. We got him at plus three hundred. So if you win, you know, one unit to return three units, right? What it ends up doing is it wins us back all the money we had invested with Kinoshita related parlays and then a tiny bit over, like maybe a quarter unit in actual residual winnings there when you combine the, the gains and the losses. Another play on this card where we run forward for seven yards, we're, you know, back for five yards type of thing, running in place. For Adam Fugit, very impressive Nice TKO win. Round number one for Kinoshita. Brakes just got pumped big time. And we got brought back down to earth with him too because we've been talking a big game this guy. But uh, yeah, definitely footnote here when we evaluate his next fight. And for Adam Fugit, great job. Came out there, did his thing. There was only three Americans on this card. Only three of them. Right? Uh, three USA citizens. The fourth American could be considered would be the North American, Kyle Nelson, who's from Canada. Um, he didn't win; he drawed, so he didn't win or lose. But the uh, the three the three United States American fighters, Adam Fugit was one of them, and two of the three did win. Him and Devin Clark won. It was it was unfortunately Derek Lewis who lost of those three. Okay, moving down to Anshul Jubil versus Jekka Saro. Jekka Saro. That's how I believe you say that. Okay. Um, this fight right here, we had a small amount played on Jekka. I believe he was a slight dog. Let me check my notes here to make sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, we had a quarter unit on, on Jekka at minus 105 odds to win 0.23. And he gets dominated. Dominated. Ends up being a ground and pound finish in round number two. From what I was watching, because I remember during this fight, I was, was kind of tied up doing something else. From what I saw, it was one-way traffic. And this guy, Jubil, the Indian dude, he looks like he could be something. You know, they don't have many Indian fighters in the roster. He's one of one, basically. So for someone like him, nice, nice win. Impressive. And remember, for him, the tournament finals. So I guess this means that he gets the contract. One second, excuse me. I'm over here looking for uh, a tissue to blow my nose. And uh, it's right here. I'm going to hit the mute button so I don't make any noise here. Give me a second. All right. Sorry about that. So, yeah, in any case, the Indian fighter comes in here, does a great job, dominant win, wins his contract. Welcome to the UFC. 
Moving down to, and if you're just joining us right now, we're talking about UFC Vegas 68, just a recap of the event. We'll go through that card. Bellator 290, PFL, touch some you know, top events, stories in mixed martial arts. Uh, hopefully get joined at some point here by some of our esteemed guests that we bring through every weekend for you guys. Um, anyway, with that said, let me get back to this UFC Vegas 68 card. It's taking me forever to get through it. Make this a little bit faster. So what ends up happening here is Juby gets the win, gets the contract. Moving down, Jing, Jiyoung, Ying. All right, Jiyoung Lee. Let's just put it that way. Jiang Lee versus Jia Yi. And Lee gets the win. I believe Lee was the flight slight favorite coming into that fight. Just checking my notes here. Lee was the favorite at minus 245. Lee gets the win by a split decision. So it was a sweat, was a close fight. I remember in this time of the fight card, too, I was very distracted. So I was kind of in and out of the fight in terms of paying attention. But for Lee, the South Korean fighter gets the win, gets the contract, moves forward. Uh, for Xia Yi, Lee's probably pretty sick to his stomach. He was like that close, right? We had very little to nothing invested here. When I say little, we had a small parlay, the South Korean parlay. We call it the Korean Ring of Fire. It was a parlay as part of our specials bracket, and that was just all the South Korean fighters. We we almost had it. We almost had it where we got um where we got snub was the Dot Woon Jung fight because Dot Woon Jung is South Korean. The rest of the South Koreans all won, or in the case of Dahu Choi, he didn't lose. So that parlay would have hit. That was called the South Korean Ring of Fire. I'll go over that one in a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of funny. We also had Rinya Nakamura to win over Toshi Toshiyami Kazama. Everyone had Rinya. He was a big favorite. He was like at minus 450. We had parlayed him. We had him into the distance. That happened. He won in round one. Very quickly, 33 seconds. I barely caught it myself. His opponent, Kazama, looked uh, very overwhelmed. And Rinya looked good. So he wins the tournament. So he gets the contract for himself. Moves it to the UFC. Good stuff. Betting-wise, again, we had him. No distance, by the way, that fight was minus 280. Not a bad spot. Rinya into the distance was minus 150. I think we... No, we didn't sprinkle that. But we had it as something to look at. And... Uh, Looking back, probably could have laid some lumber on that into the distance at minus 150 and gotten some change there. But hey, fighters that we didn't look very closely at, we didn't do a deep dive in that prelim card. We didn't want to get too invested. Moving down, Hyun Sung Park, South Korean fighter, wins over another South Korean fighter, Seung Gok Choi. Rear naked choke in round number three. Good win for Park. Uh, in this case, both fighters were South Korean, so... We did put Park into that South Korean parlay just to clarify the South Korean or the Korean Ring of Fire parlay. It was Sung Park that was in that parlay. It was not Choi. And Park was the favorite at minus 190. Did a good job. Got a finish in round three. Gets the contract. That's the last of the tournament fights that were part of the UFC Vegas 68 card. And that was all the prelim card. Last two fights to talk about. Jung Young Park, another South Korean fighter on the prelim card against Dennis Tululian. And Tulian is a Russian fighter, pretty good fighter, came in 11-6, and six, has had a bit of an up-and-down run recently. Uh, he's on the downside again. He gets a rear naked choke loss to Park, who looked very good. And Park, you know, Park is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good finishing skills. A guy who you don't think of as a big-time finisher, mess around and find out, okay? Um, yo, got somebody here from back in the day. Yo, what's up? How are you, Any Action? It's been a long time, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we do this every Sunday night. So it's a late night show. Hopefully we can 
build ourselves a little bit of a a gathering of the peoples, you know, any action, long time no see. Going through the Vegas card, I'll be going through the Bellator 290 card and also talking about some of the stuff in uh, mixed martial arts in general. So back to this Vegas 68 card. So Jung Young Park gets the win. Very impressive. First fight in the card, Tatsura Tayara wins over Jesse Aguilar. There's a moment early on where it looks like in my perspective, at least, that I thought Tyra was in a bit of a neck choke, like a guillotine. He was defending it well. And the most important part of what he was doing was he was not overreacting. He was relaxed. He was on top, yeah, but he had his head definitely in some kind of a choking situation. He ends up getting from there to be in top position and then gets a triangle armbar, choke submission, the whole deal, round one, gets the uh, gets the win. Very impressive fashion. We had him in the... Uh, how do we play him? We played him... No distance at minus 200. That seemed like an easy parlay piece. Into the distance was minus 175 for Tyra. We did put that into uh, a parlay as well. A sub by Tyra was minus 135. We didn't play it, but we looked at it. The fight starting round two was minus 200. We considered playing that, but we didn't play it. And we thank God we didn't because it ended up not even happening, right? So Tyra just runs through his competition there. And there's your roundup again for Vegas 68. So again, the winners were for Vegas 68. You had Tyra, Jung Young Park, Hyung Sung Park, Rinya Nakamura, Jiyoung Young Lee, Anshul, 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 I think it is, Anshul Jubilee, who's the uh, Indian fighter. Main car was Adam Fugit, Dahu Choi and Kyle Nelson went to draw, Marcy Tiburo was victorious, Devin Clark won, and then Derek Lewis lost in round number one. Final thoughts on UFC Vegas 68. Let's do this because I want to put a bow on it. I heard some thoughts today and I thought people were taking some some tough shots at it. I thought the biggest part of the card, right, was this UFC road to UFC thing. You had tons of fighters from a different part of the world. UFC's trying to blow up that part of the world and get that, you know, not blow it up. That sounded terrible. Trying to garner more from that part of the world and, and get more athletes. I thought they did well there. It was the finals for each of those weight classes for that tournament. The fights were pretty good. I also thought there was a lot of finishes. So we had, you know, a, a bit of everything there. We had winners that now we could look forward to seeing in the UFC. And so from that part of the card, I thought that was excellent. I thought that was very good. And when you consider the first two fights in the card, because the UFC was going all invasion, I mean, all invasion, trying to mixing words. They were going all full Asian for this card. They bring in Jung Young Park, who's a current fighter on the roster who happens to be from South Korea, and Tatsura Tyra, who's from Japan, who happens to be on the roster too. And what do they do? They both go out there and do a great job and win, get a finish. Matter of fact, looking at the fight card right here, just trying to go. So first fight, finish. Second fight, finish. Third fight, a finish. Fourth fight, a finish. Fifth fight, we get our first decision, and it's a split, split decision. It's close. The next fight, sixth fight, finish. Seventh fight, another finish. Eighth fight ends in a majority draw. What a weird tempo here, right? Ninth fight goes to decision and it's two heavyweights. The tenth fight with Clark also goes to decision. Then the main event, of course, ends up with a finish. So I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good card. I'll take any kind of UFC, Bellator, whatever. The only way this card works out better for me on a personal level and, and for us in terms of how we were perceiving the card 
here's the here's like the one or two things I would have changed. And Adam Fugit, if you're out there somewhere, sorry, bro. I would have Kinoshita getting the, the knockout <laughs> in round one over Fugit. And I'd probably just have Choi getting the, the win he should have gotten. So I'm not am I asking for too much? Probably asking for too much. In the case of Choi, I'm not asking for too much there. Just like Tyone, please, man. I wish the outside ref could like said like no we'll we'll decide here and we decided no there's no points we looked at the monitor it's not a big deal. So UFC Vegas 68 kicks off uh, another aspect of the UFC their road to the UFC thing got some new fighters in the roster UFC's finding ways to get guys all over the world so interesting little format main event Derek Lewis Whew, deep breath right now buddy deep breath I mean nowhere near getting like cut or anything like that or somebody mentioned him getting cut not gonna happen. I think we're just talking about, you know, have to hit a reset, change some things up. For Devin Clark, big-time win. Marcy Tybura, big-time win. And Adam Fugit again, main card, good win. So that's enough of UFC Vegas 68. Actually, that's not enough. How do we do from a betting perspective? Individual money line plays. We had Devin Clark, Dahu Choi, Jekka Sarug, Sarah, and Adam Fugit, those were our four direct money line plays. We had one unit on Adam Fugit at plus 300 to win three units. That was a hedge bet to cover our other stuff later on, which we'll go over. So for our four direct individual money line bets, two of the four hit. The third that should have would have been Daho Choi for two units to win 1.53 units, but we just got the hucklebuck there. Our individual plays, individual bets, we put 3.5 units with a potential to win 4.79. We end up winning 3.26 units. For our prop bets, there was a lot of them, too many to read off. Some got canceled because we had like G. Young Kim and some prop bets. But for our prop bets, we had 1.05 units to win 7.60 units on the line. We ended up resulting in negative 0.75 units for our, all of our prop bets. And there was about 10 of them there. For those who subscribe to our Substack, you know what I'm reviewing right now. This is right on our Substack. It's our tip sheet provided every single week, absolutely free. You get it about 24 to 48 hours before each event, every UFC event, Bellator event, PFL, Invicta. Those are the main ones we cover. For our parlays, we had a parlay with Kim in it. She was out, but we had Nakamura and Kazama, no distance, minus 280. That satisfied. Tyra and Aguilar, no distance, minus 200. That ended up happening. That ended up giving plus 171 odds. I could be off in the odds. Maybe that needed to be recalculated because we ended up calculating the new odds in there. We had a half a unit to win 0.86 units. 0.86 units, yeah, correct. Spivak versus Lewis, no round five, minus 500. That was cool. Jung versus Clark, no distance, minus 200. Fail. And then Kinoshita to win. Fail. So that parlay fell apart. Nakamura to win minus 450. Nice. Kinoshita to win minus 350. Not so nice. That parlay done. Lewis to win plus 195. Of course, he lost. Clark to win plus 210. He did win. No, no bueno there in that parlay. So for our parlays, we had 2.15 units to win 3.89. We resulted with negative 1.13 as our final result for our parlays. As for our specials, special number one, we call this one the Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift because all the fighters in this parlay are from Japan. We had Yasaka Kinoshita to win minus 325, and we were so confident Mr. Kinoshita came crashing down. Rinya Nakamura to win at minus 435, and Tatsura Tara to win 
into the distance at minus 175. You put those three together, it gave you plus 153 odds. We put a half a unit, so we weren't like crazy, crazy, you know, confident here, but we had some confidence. And so the half unit gets lost because of the Kinoshita bet. Now, interestingly enough to me, when the inside the distance prop or leg satisfied when Tyra got the inside the wind finish in the first fight, I was like, it's going to happen. That to me was the toughest leg. No, no bueno. The next special was the Korean Pacific Ring of Fire. That's a play on the Pacific Ring of Fire where the volcanoes, all that whole edge of the Pacific Ocean, which I don't think really gets all the way over to Korea, but you, you get the drift of what I'm trying to play on there. Korean Pacific Ring of Fire. That's Jung Young Park, one of the Korean fighters in the roster. Minus 215, he wins. Hyung Sung Park, minus 190, he won. Jiang Ying Lee, one of the fighters in the tournament, minus 245, he wins. And the last leg was Da Un Jung, who lost against Clark at minus 245. That gave us plus 502 odds. We had a quarter unit there to play to win 1.25. It'd be that way sometimes. And the last one was the American Pie. The last one was an American Pie. That's the name of this parlay. Derek Lewis to win, Devin Clark to win, and Adam Fugit to win. And when I set this parlay, I said to myself, the one leg that's going to not do it, it's going to be Adam Fugit. I'm like, I know he's going to end up not winning, but I've got to put it together. It's the only three Americans. I'm like, Clark, he'll knock out Sergey. He can do it. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis will knock out Sergey. He can do it. Devin Clark, I believe in you. You can do it too. So I, I was thinking it was the Fugit leg. That's the leg that I was most concerned about. What ends up happening is Mr. Fugit gets her done. Clark gets her done. And now I'm at the end of the night like, oh, man, the American Pie parlay. It might happen. So 0.15 units to win 5.20 units doesn't happen. We end up resulting with our three specials. We had 0.90 units on the line there to win 7.21. I like those kind of betting situations where limited investment, huge return. So we ended up with negative 0 0.90 units for our special bets. As for our parlay pieces, the ones that were like, yeah, man, back the truck up. You could bet on these. It was like this entire card, two feet in, two feet out. Question was by Hype 3 Remain, did I miss any guests? No, sir, you have not. And full disclosure, we do have a few guests lined up, but there's a little bit of in limbo here with a few of them. And so if we end up going tonight and having maybe only one guest or God forbid, no guests, uh, that might be the case. So I, I want to forewarn you, but uh, I'll keep you appraised right now. I'm waiting to hear back from you know one of our first guests. You know, this time slot, it doesn't work for everyone because obviously different time zones for some better than others. But then in some cases, it's just a matter of that person will tell me later on, like, Gee, man, I fell asleep, dude, my bad. I'm like, it's no problem. It'd be that way. Anyway. So, um, going over the rest of our bet tip shit here for bet tip tip sheet for bell for UFC Vegas 68. Um, so looking at our final results, like how we did with everything combined, when you went over everything, we were always oh, we talking about our parlay pieces, right? 
So our three parlay pieces were Spivak versus Lewis under two and a half rounds at minus 400. That was money. Jung versus Clark, no distance at minus 200. That failed. We got that just totally wrong. And that's tough because we had parlayed that. It cost us. Kinoshina versus Fugit, no distance at minus 190. So we had that as a strong parlay piece. That's also what my man over at uh, Blood Money had too. You know, that was, that was a good play. No, not that. He had under two and a half for like minus 140, even better. So what the final damage was, was this. We had a grand total of 7.60 units on the line to win 70, I'm sorry, 73, to win 23.49 units. That's where we dove in at here when the, you know, the damage was, was first about to start. We end up walking away, it's hilarious, with plus 0.48 units. Yeah, plus 0.48 units, less than a half a unit after all that madness. And again, for those that are subscribed to our newsletter, you, yeah, you have a copy of all this craziness. <laughs> On one hand, it's like, well, we did lose money, right? We didn't lose money. And if you were tailing us, you're probably in the same boat, right? On the flip side, we didn't really make any money either. <laughs> so that's the results of UFC Vegas 68. Let's quickly shift over to Bellator 290. Not going to take nearly as long for Bellator 290. Let's start with the prelim card. So first fight was Nikita Mikhailov versus Darian Caldwell. I watched this entire card, watched it pretty closely, and I thought Caldwell won the fight. All three judges had it for Nikita. I heard some chatter, other places online, Twitter and stuff. People thought that Darren did a good job to possibly win too. We had Caldwell on some bets. Pfft, what are you going to do? Next fight, Diana Absolagova beats our girl Alejandra Lara. We had a nice interview with her last week. So really wanted her to win. We were rooting for her. That was a tough fight because there was moments where clearly she wasn't winning those moments. Like round one, her hair was, was loose. It was in a ponytail, but it was loose and poofy. So every time she got hit, pom-pom pom-pom ball on top of her head and that made it obvious whenever diana was landing good punches there was also some damage to laura's face not her face it was her nose and from the the vantage point of looking on the tv screen it looked like more than what it was after the fight they wiped her down she was okay but she had a bit of a nosebleed going on for most of the second and third round it just wasn't good for optics so i think that was the edge there that they gave her for for diana was that she just looked like she did a little more damage now, post-fight, they, they zoomed in more. You can see some kind of swelling or a little bit of bruising on Diana's face. She took some work as well, but super close fight. I think split decision was the right call. Unfortunately, it doesn't go to our girl, uh, Lara, and she loses. And yeah, tough one. Uh, Grant Neal versus Carl Albrechtson. We had Grant Neal pre-fight as a person we thought could win the fight. He was our choice to win. We thought by submission. Didn't happen by decision. Sorry, didn't happen by submission, but does happen by decision, and it's by split. So that was back-to-back -back splits there on the Bellator card. Very interesting. Next fight, Chris Gonzalez versus Max Rovskov. Chris gets the win by a knockout in round number two. Really catches Max super hard. I remember a replay in my head's going over. Like, Max drops, like, on his face flat. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, tough, tough loss there. Chris does a great job, gets a nice win for himself, and he moves on to fight another day. Next fight right here. Oh, my goodness. Steve Mary. Steve Mary versus Ali Izzyev, and it ends in a draw. And, yeah, yeah. There was a 10-8 round in round two. Steve Mary dominates, has Ali at the point of almost like Ali's about to get, like, called out. 
on the ground, pounding him and stuff. But he loses round one and two. And these guys, they can't get it finished. They can't finish. They just, oh, my goodness. All three rounds, two heavyweights, goes to decision. A deplorable performance by heavyweights, honestly. They should let go both those guys. Seriously. All right, next up, Henry Corrales versus Ahmed Magomedov. Here's a fight that literally just crushed all my my winning potential for Bellator 290. And it's a lesson in don't over parlay people. We had Ahmed Magomedov in a handful of parlays, both tracked, untracked bets. When this fire burnt, I remember I was doing a live stream for this this uh, this card. I was doing live stream. I was talking with people like yourself, and boom, <laughs> was like a a bomb went off. And the bomb went off right around round two when you can see that Mahmed or Magomedov was not able to wrestle Corrales. Corrales was doing a great job defending takedowns. Magomedov started getting tired, sloppy, could not get anything done, and Henry won a decision. Corrales said, "Is justified, good for him, well done, Mister Corrales." Moving to the card, Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Mach, my gosh, I keep saying his name wrong. Mokhamed Berkamov. Mr. Berkamov versus Lorenz Larkin. Larkin, round one elbow. Oh, this is the fight I was talking about earlier. Berkamov goes falling flat in his face from a nasty inside elbow from Larkin. This is the fight I meant when I said the person fell flat in the face. Uh, Larkin, impressive victory. We liked him. Um, you know, we liked him pre- pre-fight we thought the veteran experience so on and so on and he looks good he got he got her done got her done and uh so very good good one for Lawrence Larkin for Mukhamad or Berkamov his name I keep saying it wrong tough loss man 15 and 2 is now his record very impressive banana and grapes banana and grapes hello banana and grapes hello yellow schmello so just finished up this Bellator 290 card, just going through it. Brennan Ward, he ends up with a win over Saba Hamasi, another fight that we just really had way off. We like Saba Hamasi there. Now, we also like the fight simply just not going the distance or going under two and a half rounds or under one and a half. That all ended up in play. And for Brennan Ward, nice victory for Saba Hamasi, falling to 17-11. Oof, man, the better days are definitely in his rearview mirror. Now, moving up to the meat of the fight order, Johnny Eblen Komen event versus Anatoly Tokov. One of the best victories on Eblen's entire resume. His last two fights, <clears throat> consider this, Gagar Musasi, Anatoly Tokov. Last two fights. He's not just a guy now who's like, oh, he's 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, uh, you know, maybe could hang in Bellator, maybe could hang in the UFC. Like, no, he's got a belt now. He's defended it for the first time. My man, probably fights again in 2023 because Bellator would be like that. For Anatoly Tokov, I hate to say it like this because this is going to sound so rough. Here's a man with 35 fights. He's very good. I just don't think he's at the Johnny Eblen level. Eblen wins that fight again and again. There weren't many opportunities there where I thought like the fight was in the balance outside the – once it got out of the first, second round, I thought it was one-way traffic. Eblen was winning, pace and pressure. So nice win for Eblen. Keeps his belt. Ryan Bader, main event. I'll take a moment to talk about this event because obviously it's the retirement fight for Fader. Praise to the all-time Mr. Fader. Guy's been around forever. Fought like in you know, Strike Force and all these different promotions from back in the day. But Ryan Bader just knocks his ass out with two and a half minutes to go in round one. 
And Fader looked slow, looked off balance, didn't look like he was in shape. I was talking to my wife this week about the fight, just trying to like, you know, chew in her ear about like, oh, honey, it's a Russian. My, you know, my wife's Russian. Like, it's, a, it's a Russian. And yada, yada. He's an old guy, but he has no chance. I kept saying, he's just so old. He's coaching now. He's not into this fighting anymore. And it looked like that. Uh, I thought it was a great send-off. I think Bellator deserves a round of applause from all MMA fans for putting together a great send-off for a, a true legend. Let's hope that they do more of this across all the mixed martial arts organizations that ones at least have the resources, the ones like Bellator, the bigger ones, where they could do a send-off and bring in the fighters and they all get to the cage. But Fedor was beat up, man. They had some images of his fight, of his face, I'm sorry, after the fight. He took a bit of a whooping for Bader. He did what he should do. I was fearful. I talked about it during the live stream. I was super duper fearful that they were going to do something to make sure that Fader won. Because you know what I was what I was worried about is if you're Bellator, you knew that if even if uh, Bader lost, he would get the belt right back in any next fight, right interim fight type of thing. Because Fader's going to hand the belt back over. So big time win for Bader. Good for him. It got rid of all the conspiracy scenarios. And for Fader. Off into the sunset, keeps coaching, moving on. Now for the weird twist of this Bellator 290 card. They're like, okay, we're going to do a post-liminary card. I don't know, man. If you're in the chat section, maybe entertain me. What the hell is the purpose of a post-liminary card? And who hangs out to watch a post-liminary card? I mean, not just that. Who hangs out to watch a post-liminary card when now UFC Vegas 68 has now start, started up? Let me get this gripe out of the way real quick. Bellator as an organization, like every organization, do yourself a solid. Don't schedule any events anywhere near, maybe not even the same day as UFC. Is that is that so hard? And I was talking about Sundays, for example. Why couldn't Bellator do Sundays? What would be the people like, well, football? Well, football is not on every Sunday all year long. Like, and if you want to compete on Sunday and avoid, you know, football, right, during some port, part of the year, then, you know, pick and choose. But you could do Sundays throughout most of the damn year and avoid the UFC. What Bellator did Saturday night was they were backed up against it. Like, they were finishing the last few fights. Like, by the time that Fedor was walking to the cage, UFC Vegas 68 already started. It's like, no, but you can see the numbers probably just going, switching over from Bellator viewers going right over to UFC. So that was just not good scheduling. Either move the event up much more in the day or go to Sunday, a different day. There was no football this past weekend. That's what I'm saying. Like, here's a Sunday during football season where Bellator could have had Sunday. Yeah, Bananas right in here. Post-liminary fight to like, no. Yeah, it just... See, I'm a D-Gen, so I'm watching those post-liminary fights. I, I, you know, I got a dog in. The, I got a dog in there a little bit, so I, I wanna, I wanna see something. So post-lim real fast. I've already wasted too much time talking about it. Yusuf Karakaya wins by decision over Ethan Hughes. A fight where if you didn't watch it, uh, Ethan Hughes has an armbar and basically dislocates the entire arm of, of Yusuf. You have to watch it yourself. Like Yusuf's arms completely hyperextended. There's like three seconds to go. He just doesn't tap. And the last final bell rings. He lets he lets go of the, the you know the arm. You see, he just kind of holds it. 
He's like, whatever, dude, is what I do. So I'm one of the most crazy moments you ever see. But yeah, the guy Yusuf gets the win, needs probably like some elbow surgery now. For Ethan Hughes, man, he he had his moments. He literally almost submitted Yusuf on several occasions. So it's too bad. We had Ethan winning. We had the fight not going to decision. So Jalen writes in here, or sorry, Jalen. Bananas and Grapes writes in here. Jalen Bates and Lugo should have been like the last prelim fight. Yeah, this didn't make a lot of sense to me why they would put certain of these people on this post-liminary card. I mean, they literally put like Jalen Bates or no Lugo. Lugo was in the almost the running last year for contending for a title. Neiman Gracie, Dante Shiro. I mean, after after Fader fought, there should have been that's it. Put the put the uh, disco lights on, get the dancing going, get the party going. But yeah, they put on these four additional fights. And so, yes, Yusuf wins. Isaiah Hokit wins by decision over Peter Ishiguru. Uh, not very close decision. He was able to just dominate the wrestling part of the fight. Had the size advantage, too. We had those guys on the show, what, last week or whatever, a week before. Two good guys. Uh, I, w I told him I wish they both could have won, right? But uh, anyway, Hokit wins. Uh, Jalen Bates gets the win over Hornell Lugo by split decision in a fight where I clearly thought Lugo won. Just putting it out there. I thought Lugo won. But that was, it is what it is, man. You go to decision, things happen. Neiman Gracie won by decision over Dante Shiro in a fight that I thought for sure Neiman Gracie was going to get a submission, especially early on. For Shiro, he may have lost the fight, but he showed he's got a hell of a submission defense. And for Gracie, he got a layup here, man. They, they needed to give him a fight to get back in the win column. You know, the Gracie name is still prevalent throughout mixed martial arts. It still means something. And uh, there was even one of his people, one of the Gracies, one of his uncles or somewhere along the line there. One of his relatives was there as part of the Fader thing. So that was your results for Bellator 290 in terms of the actual fight results. Now, how do we do ourselves from a betting perspective? Hmm. Different can of worms, right? But Edison Grapes writes in, it took away the seriousness of Fader's last fight. Like, oh, wait, folks, there's another fight. I mean, it's just... It's just weird. I, maybe what I need to do is research myself because maybe that's what it takes, you know, do some knowledge hunting. Why the post-liminary bouts even existed? Like, where did that format come from? Is that something from, like, Muay Thai? Is that a common thing in... Um, I'm just saying, is that common in some other formats? I'm trying to think of scenarios where it could have come up. Like, I, I never heard of it until... I think the, I think PFL last year did something like this. They had some post-liminary bouts, and I'm like, "Huh? Like people stay around for this? Because it's usually, first of all, bouts that would belong in essence on a prelim card, but they're after all the main stuff. So it's like, oh, whatever. Anyway. All right. So looking at Bellator, how do we do? Real quickly here, our summary of our results. So our money line wagers, our direct money line wagers. We had Ishiguro to win outright at plus three seventy five a quarter unit to win point nine three units. Did not happen. He lost. We had Caldwell to win at plus 140, a half unit to win 0.7 units, and I could test. I could test right here in front of everybody. Over my dead body, Mr. Caldwell won that fight. Yet not even one judge agreed with me. So he gets an L, by decision. Larkin to win at plus 190. We had a quarter unit on that. He wins the fight by knockout. Our only regret is we didn't put more. 
So for our direct individual money line plays for Bellator 290, we had three of them. We had one unit at risk in total to make 2.1. We ended up walking away negative 0.28 units for our individual bets. For our prop bets, not going to read them all out to you, but we had seven of them, <clears throat> which equated to 2.95 units to win 6.82. And believe it or not, we walked away with plus 0 0.05 units. Seven prop bets. I mean, we had like Lara by decision, Darren Caldwell by submission, Grant Neal by submission, Jalen Bates by submission, Ishiguro by decision, which was plus 1,200. You probably wonder, well, then where'd you make your money at? Fader Melianko versus Ryan Bader under a round and a half was minus 200. We put two units on that to win one unit. And that, in essence, was the only winning play on that entire seven bit of prop bets. So that gives us plus one, plus zero five. Small change. Our parlays. For our parlay bets, we had five of them. Not going to read them all out to you, but we had 4.75 units on the line to win 3.48. And again, this is all in our Substack newsletter. So if you like, want to see this stuff, we don't just say we're going to bet things and then we don't bet them. Whatever bets we're placing, whatever information we're giving you, if you're doing any tailing or trailing of our information, it's it's all there for you on our Substack newsletter. And uh, we also go over our results like we're doing now, right? To give you sort of the, the feedback and how we did. Um. Yeah, the Dana White Contender Series fighter, week number six. Yeah, that guy was a um, – he was an underdog too. He pulled that off. He was like a plus 180 underdog. He's also a slight dog in this matchup, and I just did that breakdown before we went live tonight. I was doing the breakdown of the Blake Builder fight, and you'll hear – you'll be the first one to hear. Um, I do think he's got a chance to win this fight. He's actually my pick to win. I think he wins the fight by decision, even though he – has like five finishes out of his seven wins, eight total fights. I think the step up in competition against a guy like, uh, I forgot his name, he's fighting the guy from New Zealand. I think he ends up getting a decision win. That's just my thoughts on that. So for parlays, we ended up finishing negative 1.62 units on our parlays. The specials we had, we had the BJJ's Delight. <laughs> that was Caldwell by submission, Bates by submission, Neil by submission. Didn't happen. We had the Main Street parlay. Hamasi fight under two and a half rounds. Okay. Fedor fight under two and a half rounds. Bonus. The Tokov fight over one and a half rounds. Those three all hit minus 110 odds. We had one unit on that to win 0.19 units. Yes. The Cardio Club parlay. I love these nicknames. The Cardio Club parlay. Lara fight goes distance minus 250. Got it. Lugo fight goes distance at minus 135. Got it. Caldwell fight goes distance minus 170. Yes. Equals plus 287 odds. Only a half unit, though. We bet on it. We won 1.43 units. Wish we would have placed more, right? The Cardio Club parlay. Love that one. And then one more parlay as part of our specials for Bellator 290 was the No Judges Please parlay. That was Gracie fight, no distance, minus 250. It obviously went the full distance. The Izzy fight no distance. It went the full distance. The Hughes fight no distance. It went the full distance. Now, mind you this. All three of those props were minus money, right? So minus 250, minus 210, minus 185. It equated to plus 218 odds. In reality, the opposite thing happened in all three scenarios. Imagine those odds. So that was a half unit out the window. 
So for our specials, just our specials, we had 2.05 units on the table to make 23.85. We ended up winning just plus 1.84. We had two parlay pieces that we recommended from this entire card as parlay pieces you could rec put into like any parlay for the weekend with you know Bellator, PFL, UFC, you know, cross mix and match. And we kind of failed here because <laughs> parlay pieces need to be locks, man. And we were off because we had Ahmed Magomedov just to win outright at minus 490, and he lost. We also had Ryan Bader to win outright, minus 330. That hit. So what was the total damage? This is hilarious. It's true. If you if you cross-check all the numbers, they're all there for you right now to look at on Substack. What I'm going to tell you is a, is a fact. After all that, all those bets, <laughs> 10.75 units in the line to win 36.25 potentially. That was the highest potential of what we could have won. The final result was negative 0.01 units or in real money, negative $1. <laughs> it's laughable after all that. It's laughable. So for Bellator 290, it was an exercise in betting with actually no, no result. To, to some extent, right? Almost no results. So, yeah, tough one there, guys. It's a tough one. I think we're, you know, we, we learn to live and learn through an experience like that. Um, it's a good time to remind you guys, whether you're watching live or you're watching later in the week or you're listening in the morning, even if you're listening on our podcast, please subscribe to our newsletter. It's 100% free. It's run through Substack. No spamming, annoying a bunch of emails throughout the week. Nope. You'll get two to three emails per week with simply the breakdown of a card and then the bet tip sheet. So, like, for example, next week coming up, we've got UFC 284, right? And then I think you've got PFL on Friday night. So you would receive an email for each of those cards. You'd receive an email with a breakdown for UFC, 80, or UFC 284. You'd receive an email for the breakdown for PFL. The email will contain a link as well to the YouTube video with the YouTube breakdown of all the fights. It's a full breakdown for each fight, stats, comparisons, <clears throat> betting spots that we like. And then about 24 to 48 hours before the event kicks off, you'll receive a secondary email. A notification will get to your inbox. You'll see right there, bet tip sheet for this event with all of our bets we're placing. And as you can see, it's a lot of good bets. You'll, you'll have a lot of good spots, even if you don't bet them all. There's some spots there. Some are more risky than others. We try to have some fun with it, give you a few specials every week. But that's how you can get that information. It's free, 100%. So if you have a moment tonight, or even if you're driving in your car tomorrow morning listening on our podcast, take a moment to go back and open our video on YouTube. Go to the description down below and check out the Substack newsletter. Subscribe to that for MMA Fight Club. Awesome newsletter, 100% for free. MMA Joey sent us, LOL. Who's MMA Joey, Andy? Is MMA Joey over at uh, MMA Holes? Is that what's happening right now? Because MMA Holes, they run deep. <laughs> what's going on over here? They're sending, they're sending love, huh? Okay, well, you're all welcome. You're all welcome. We're just going over the week that was and mixed martial arts. We're wrapping up the... Bellator 290 fight card and uh, 
Yes, you are all welcome. Welcome everyone to the channel. We appreciate you guys. We're just talking about the last week that was in mixed martial arts. Let's talk top stories. So prime sponsorship with the UFC. Wow. When I saw it, I thought to myself, what in the world is going on? You know, I'm an old guy. This whole YouTube content creator slash uh, celebrity mixed, you know, becoming a boxer, Logan Paul, I, all of it. I'm trying to digest this. Like, what is this? You know, what is this? What is this madness of, you know, going from messing around on a computer in your parents' house to now you're a multi-chameleonaire? And lo and behold, Logan Paul, who's partnered with KSI, they own this prime. Have you guys had the prime energy drink? Have anyone has anyone had this thing yet? I've never even had my hands on it. Like I feel like I'm so out of the loop, right? So in any case, you know, I explain these things to my wife. I try to bounce off this stuff off my wife to see how she responds. You know, see how do I sound crazy? So we got some responses here. Brendan writes in that he's had it. Just a little bit too sweet. You know what it reminds me of? I'm going to age myself. You remember when the ice cream truck came around the neighborhood and you would get different ice creams from the ice cream truck? The one that looked like a rocket. Like the had white and red and blue and had the colors like the rocket. And had like a Sometimes had a, a bubblegum ball at the end of it. <clears throat> yeah, time is flying. Time is flying. That's, that's another great point, Greta. Yeah, it's like everything's been flying flying past me. But for the synopsis here, KSI, the YouTube dude who's he's been in and out of the news recently, right? He's partnered with Logan Paul. Doesn't like the brother though. Doesn't doesn't like the other Paul brother, right? But but in a partnership with Logan, this prime thing blows the hell up. It's a thing now. And now that's a sponsored drink replacing body armor for the UFC. And when they un unfolded this this sponsorship deal, it's you know multi multi-year, multi-million. Um yeah, Greta. Yes, they were the best. I would run outside my friends, you know, bicycles. Those you know, especially late summer nights, those are the best. Yes, hype three. Yes, I remember your rise to New Year's stream last year. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude, man. We try, we try. <laughs> so, um, in any case, uh, I lost, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the prime, prime deal. So, anyway, a photo on, you know, Instagram, whatever, Twitter goes, you know, goes viral with Dana White there with KSI and Logan, and they're shaking hands. And I'm like, is this a joke? Is this, this can't be made. This has got to be made up. But it's not made up. And I'll tell you one thing: when you look at the details of the contracts the UFC has with the beverage companies and who's sponsoring what. Yo. You wanna you want like a community college education on on like marketing advertising type of thing here? The UFC has I can't remember them all. There's an article I was looking at. They have a sponsorship deal for like four or five different beverage companies. And they're specific like you know, Prime is their water sponsor for hydration. And then like the they'll have a uh they have like a vodka sponsor, just just vodka. That's their their vodka sponsor. Then they have like um 
an energy drink sponsor, Monster. Monsters are energy drinks because Monster is not the hydration sponsor. They're the energy drink sponsor. Um, then they have like um, the, 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 the liquor that uh, this guy Connor pawns off, whatever that one is. That's one of their, their sponsors. They, they have like a beer sponsor. Okay, these, these dudes literally have a sponsor for every type of, you know, they probably have a smoothie sponsor and a milkshake sponsor. They have, they have a sponsor for almost every type of beverage you can imagine. No joke. I'm not kidding you. And those sponsorships are bank. They're huge. And so when you think of like the UFC having a beverage sponsor, it's not just like one or two companies. It's literally like they've broken the pie up in so many ways where the UFC just, yeah, man, just brilliant. Nonetheless, Prime is a new sponsor, KSI, Logan Paul. You could say they're doing business together now. It's amazing what these young guys have done, the empire that the, the Paul brothers have built. And for those details of the deal, though, look it up. It's it's available out there. Um, Conor McGregor is hit by a car. <laughs> Conor McGregor, he can't stay out the news. And it's not his fault. Maybe he was just working out on a bicycle, just regular bicycle, riding along. Somebody hits him. Maybe some old lady just didn't like it, wanted to like, you know, bully him off the road. In the more serious news, though, McGregor is now going to be doing the Ultimate Fighter with Michael Chandler this season coming up. I think I want to say they unveil the episodes beginning. Actually, you know what? Let me pause on that. Something about late May. That might be the time they either start recording or they start revealing the episodes. It wraps up in August. They have not announced the date for the actual fight, but fight you would imagine happens shortly thereafter the show from a promotional standpoint, right? I've had my criticisms of Conor McGregor, I think like anyone else, because of maybe his decision-making, because of you know maybe some of his antics, but let's not twist the reality that he is a ratings magnet. We all agree on that one. I wonder, do we have any guesses here? How much money you think the UFC is paying Conor McGregor to do the Ultimate Fighter? And then I wonder, like, are they paying Michael Chandler anything? <laughs> like, are they paying Michael Chandler anything? Chandler's probably like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'm, I'm a company, man. I could use the, you know, let people know I'm a good guy. Whereas Connor is like, you want me to do what? You want me to go live in Las Vegas and be there? And, and how long? You're going to have to pay me, brother. I can, I can see him now. You have to pay me. So, yeah, interestingly enough, he committed to it. Good for the UFC. From everything I hear, they need to revive the show. That's what I keep hearing. The show is like on its heels. I, I can't. I don't look at the numbers. Do you look at the numbers for the ratings? I don't. I, that's just what I'm hearing. So this would help. This would help. Fader Emelianco retires. Wonderful career. Great show by Bellator to put on for a retiring legend. We mentioned it earlier. Let's hope this is par for the course for other organizations. I don't think it's fair to criticize the UFC and say, oh, look, you guys don't celebrate your, your champions enough. It depends how you look at it. There's plenty of times I look at fights and I see old UFC fighters there that are octagon side. Are they paying for those tickets? Is the UFC comping them? I don't know. I'm just, you know, just sort of seems like there are a handful, like GSP, for example, right? GSP probably has a good mixed martial arts career even without the UFC, right? Could have done that without the UFC. 
but has he made more cheddar? Has he had a bigger legacy? Maybe not better, but bigger legacy because of his career in the UFC? Yeah, and I see him around UFC often. So I just think it depends on how you want to look at it. It's too easy to put a bullseye on the UFC and say, oh, they're the ones who don't take care of their fighters in their last hurrah. Uh, all their fighters walk away. Um, I'm not going to name a reporter by name, but a, a certain high-profile reporter likes to just constantly drag on this. Like, all these top people are leaving the UFC. You know, a lot of fighters leave a lot of other organizations. <laughs> you know, other, people, people leave other organizations all the time. It happens, you know. But an interesting way to... Send off Mr. Fedor. I, I look forward to seeing him coaching. He will be coaching. So Rockhold now is in talks with Bellator. If you remember, he fought Costa not too long ago. He said, I'm done. They went on the Ariel Hawani show recently and said, I'm back. I'll tell you one thing. These fighters who leave the UFC, right? I'm imagining these conversations. They leave the UFC on a Monday. And by Friday, their voicemails are like all filled up with like the PFLs and the, you know, all those organizations are calling them. Hey, let's get a meeting. Let's get, you know, don't retire just yet. Let's let's have some lunch. I'll, I'll fly into Cali next week. We'll talk. Promoters ring around like little pimps trying to sign the washed up remains of the UFC, right? And then Rockhold's like, well, I wasn't going to fight, but you're saying what now? I could be main card and you're going to pay me this much money to, to show? They're like, yeah, man, we'll give you a three-fight deal. And all of a sudden, the retired Rockhold's like, that's more money than I was making before, and I'm going to be main card. And then they convince themselves, lower-level competition, and next thing you know, a guy like Rockhold goes from Monday retiring to Friday, I'm back at it. And Marlon, Mar Marlon Marias is his name? Great fighter. Former champion in the UFC, I believe, Marlon Marias. Oh, my goodness. The last part of his career has just been tough to watch. And he retires from the UFC. You're like, okay, dude, all right, you're good. PFL calls him up. You can still fight, man. I'm like, who would call this guy and actually try to get him to fight again? PFL did. And PFL, that's fine. Okay, whatever. You're just a promotion. You're not, you're not a whatever. You're not, you're not, you're not there to watch out for their well-being, right? You're just a fight promotion, put on fights. He's a former UFC fighter. I mean, if you're a former UFC fighter, PFL is gonna give you a shot. They'll find a way to get you a shot, right? And so for Marlon Marias, he goes over, fights in the PFL, get, get knocked out again. Gets knocked out again. So, PFL week number two, since we're talking about week two, or I'm sorry, since we're talking about last week in mixed martial arts, we covered Bellator 290. For those who want to hear Bellator 290, the wrap up on it and how we did, how we did from a betting perspective, we went through all that slowly, raked through it, along with UFC Vegas 68. And when you combine those two, we end up with like no money. We end up, whatever, negative a dollar, positive two dollars, something ridiculous like that. Now, for PFL week number two, which was last Friday, it was a women's only card, four fights in the card, and I don't want to get all Debbie Downer. Is that the terminology? Debbie Downer? It is late night, though. It's about 1.13, 1.14 here in the morning. Episode four of Midnight MMA with yours truly, Manny Galarza. We are talking about the week that was in mixed martial arts. Recapping a few fight cards, we went through Bellator 290, talked about Fedor Emelianko, went through UFC Vegas 68. We're now going to gander over into PFL Challenger Series, week number two. And for this Challenger Series, 
I'm going to give it a little extra special love. I'm calling it extra special love, but you know what? It's going to come out looking like a little bit different than special love. Anyone out there in the chat watch the PFL? Anybody over here entertain the business of the professional professional fighters league? And if you don't, maybe keep it that way. Because by the time I'm done with this <laughs> this review, it's yeah, I'm I'm very disappointed. That's the feeling I have. I don't have the feeling of like anger towards the PFL. I have the feeling of like, hey, you know, why not tighten up the screws a little bit? You know, let's get better at a few things. Bitsy writes in, I watch it when I can, not often. I watch it fairly closely because either we're breaking down those fights. I got a chance to talk to some of the fighters in the PFL. We've interviewed some of the fighters. So naturally, we we talk PFL. The things that happened the last two weeks combined are just, I mean, they're just like, they're on the front of my head. They're banging in my head. Let me just get it out of my head real quickly. Get it off my chest, I mean. So PFL week number two was was eight women fighting, featherweight division. So four total fights for one contract. And you had some people coming in. They were already kind of the presumptive favorites to possibly win. Like Amanda Levy in the main event, submission background, wrestling background, has a bit of a viral sensation on the internet. Submitted some some guys like men on the mat. She became popular. You know, she's undefeated now, 2-0. Evelyn Martins, like 20 years old, very young prospect from Brazil, 2-0 against Jeslyn Michelle. And Jeslyn Michelle, who, who was 2-0 before the fight, now she's 2-1, she lost. But she's like a pro wrestling background, a little bit older, but she has her own little personality. Then Jackie Cataline, who was the late replacement, she came in and fought Cena Van Deer Veerdunk. A late replacement for Carolina Sobic, who Sobic I saw <clears throat> on social media. Sobic couldn't get here. It was a visa issue. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was outside of her control. And I believe Sobic is now scheduled to fight, I believe, on her social media post like sometime in March. But Catalina looked great. Got a round one finish. Finish. Impressive. Knockout. Definitely stunned rear duck. And for Evelyn Martin, 20 years old, my gosh, got a round two rear naked choke. I'll get back to Martins in a second. And the first fight in the car was Michelle Montague, the training partner of Kayla Harrison, getting a submission win in round two rear naked choke over Shaquita Amador Woods. We interviewed Amador Woods last week. And so we were, of course, pulling for Shaquita. It's always tough when you have a personal invested, like you're pulling for a fighter you've talked to. It's like a little tougher. Well, we talked to Shaquita last week. Awesome. Great spirit. We were rooting for her on the feet. We felt like that's where she could have some advantages. And for most of the early part of the fight, things were even on the feet, right? It hits the ground with Shaquita going for a guillotine. I'm sorry, not a guillotine. She was going for that front choke when you got the arm underneath whatever, but she had a choke going. She was going for a choke. It looked like Michelle was clearly in some danger, not like she's about to tap, but it was getting to that point. And Shaquita looked calm. I was watching the fights live with Olita Kaliznik, who's on the PFL roster. We had a live watch party. That was on Friday night. That was fun. She's always a good time. We were watching it and both like, whoa, wait a second. I think this is, we're about to see an upset here. And I'm like, yeah, come on, Shaquita. 
Eventually, the submission doesn't go through. Michelle escapes. Round one ends. It appears like Michelle probably wins round one because of top position, and and that's about that. So now we get into round two, and in round two, Shaquita is just you know too standing too tall, and Michelle gets under her base, takes her back down. Eventually, moves into a rear naked choke position, and Shaquita fought the best she could. Best, best she could, excuse me, loses the fight. Now we had predicted Michelle Montague to win the fight by submission. That was part of our, you know, what we expected. Uh, we were just rooting for Woods, having talked to her. We liked her, liked her story. For Woods, it's not all a loss. I feel like if she could get herself back in the fold to get on a backup card or something like that, or get a fight later this year with the PFL somehow, she should try. She looked pretty good. She falls to one her professional mixed martial arts debut, but it wasn't a terrible showing. I thought she did a good job. So, But that's your results of the fights. So the winners were Ellen Martins, 20 years old. Jackie Catalina, late replacement. She wins. Michelle Montague wins her fight submission. And then the main event is the only fight that does not get as a result of a finish. It goes to decision. The only fight that goes to the scorecards, right? Amanda Levy, the main event, winning over Sendayush, who came over from... Um, what country is Sendayush from? I don't recognize the flag. You have to forgive me. She is from Mongolia. Okay. All right. So we get now all four fighters enter the cage at the end of the at the end of all the different fights, right? This is how they do it. It's a reality show. It's like MMA meets American Idol. <laughs> okay. So all four fighters come into the center of the octagon. They got them all there. And my first question is, why is Evelyn Martins why is she there? Because Evelyn Martins missed weight. And so I'm like, why would they even trot this girl out here? Shouldn't she not even be eligible to get the contract if she missed weight? I, I'm just like, wait, I'm like, now it's a small detail, but I say it because the broadcast like didn't really bring it up, like a squeak of it maybe pre-fight. By the time we got to this point when she had the submission and stuff like that, and she was getting tried out there, they were like, no, I'm not even talking about this. They were just like, let's keep, like, keep, keep rolling the camera. So Martin's never had a chance to win this contract as far as I was concerned. Like, she was just being out there as, as a puppet, right? They bring the four girls out there. They got them all four standing. And then the first thing is like, all right, we're going to announce the two finalists, you know, that based upon, I don't know what that's based upon, but just based upon whatever their determination is. And they say, okay, Amanda Levy stepped forward and Michelle Montague stepped forward. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, well. The first thing I thought was, well, Jackie Cataline came in late replacement and got a bona fide knockout. Matter of fact, got the only knockout of the night, you know, only person to put hands to knockout. Submissions are nice too, but knockouts are better. And so Jackie Catalina, you can see, kind of see her just walk out the octagon, like not happy. Michelle Montague's like, she's happy. Evelyn Marge is like, you know, what can I do? I was overweight. I wasn't even with this. All right, got it. And Amanda Levy's there. And I'm like, okay. So now at this phase of the PFL, you know, countdown selection, they look at the celebrities. Celebrities, we need your votes now. So the celebrities, you know, chime in. You got Paige Van Zant, <laughs> You've got Tyron Woodley. And then I, I forgot who the third one was. Whatever. Three celebrities. They all give their input. Oh, it was, um, I forgot his name. Randy Couture, right? Randy Couture. So these three give their input and they vote for uh Michelle Montague, the one who got the submission in the first fight, rear naked choke, round number two over Shaquita Amador Woods. And we're like, okay, the celebrities, that's a I think that's the right pick. 
then they tally the fan vote and they show you the van fan vote sometimes they'll show you it's like moving up and down and then they take it off the screen and then just announce it and say okay the fan vote is amanda levy and i'm gonna go back to this fan vote thing in a second so now that it's one one the next step is it has to be decided by the ceo he comes out and does his dana white thing ceo mr cepho comes out they put the mic in front of him sir what do you think who should be selected and he says well you know we're it's not it's not an easy decision and i'm thinking why is it not an easy decision michelle monica you got to finish amanda levy didn't get a finish what are we talking about here <laughs> he says we're going to go with amanda levi or levy because this is my interpretation of, of ray Sefo, because we feel like you know she'll be able to handle the fighters in the roster and, you know we'll do better when it comes time to fighting in the pfl this season and I'm like, damn, why don't you just kick Michelle Montague in the ass a little more on the way out? Like, I get your rationale. I even kind of get what you were trying to say. It just sounded even worse when it came out. Like, yeah, we're going to take Amanda Levi. We recognize that Amanda didn't you know, win in as exciting fashion. And we recognize, Michelle, you did get the you know submission there. And Catalina also got a finish by K. We recognize all of these things. Even Evelyn Martin's 20 years old, we recognize that she got a submission. With all of this being recognized, we're still going to take Amanda Levy to be the fighter who gets the contract. And here it is. This is the little house of cards that just cr came crumbling down for me. And especially for me as a viewer, whether it's personal or whether it's coverage for this channel. And I'm going to tell you right now that we're going to probably scale back on our coverage of the PFL, especially Challenger Series. The first two weeks, which you saw, were two things that were anomalies that when you look at them back-to-back -back, are not so much anomalies, but simply the way of doing business for the PFL. We interviewed Thad Gene what, over the last week or so. We had him on one of these late-night shows, and Thad Gene won the contract in week one. It's not like he didn't deserve the contract, but the scenarios were very similar. He had a decision win. His finalist competitor with him, the guy who was like one on one, the one that had to choose between, he had a finish that was Kenley St. Louis. And Ray Seffo had to come in and make the tiebreaker. He said, similar thing, like, oh, it's a tough decision, but we're going to go with Thad Gene. I spoke to Thad Gene and he agreed. Yes, part of this is the, the bigger picture. If you look at the pre fight coverage from PFL number one, they had Thad Gene doing videos and getting coverage with the PFL and doing, you know, they're marketing him. He's young, undefeated, lots of potential. So week one goes by. It was almost like the PFL threw eight fighters out there and said, we we, we, we want to watch it and see what happens here. It's fair game for everyone. But we really want to see one person win. We kind of have our eyes on one guy more than the rest of you guys. And so play nicely here. Let's see what happens. When it comes down to decision time, we're going to take the one we're going to take. That's what week one looked like. Well, if week one looked like that, week two looked like no matter what happens out there, we're going to take this one fighter. It was even more to me like in the face because even though Amanda Amanda Levi or Levi won her fight by decision against Senayush, it was by no means an easy decision. It was competitive. A matter of fact, the exact words of 
Alina Kalisnik during the live watch party was that both these fighters could get signed. And that Sunday Yush looked just as good toe-to-toe with Levi. We could have even seen Sinayush winning the fight on the scorecards. That's how, like, imagine <laughs> imagine if the PFL would have gone and taken Amanda Levi if she lost by decision, even if she lost by decision, they would have just said, Oh, we're still gonna t- <laughs> we're still gonna take her. I mean, look, I like sports, I love the drama, <clears throat> I love mixed martial arts. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. PFL's got the Friday night thing, that's cool. But PFL Week 3 comes up this week, Challenger Series. It'll be four more fights. And quite frankly, we can't take this thing now too serious. I think the PFL has a lot of good potential things going. I love the whole, you know, Jake Paul signing with them. They have some, you know, some cool stuff. But this, like, circus stuff of their Challenger Series, hard to take it serious right now. I would say if you want to know who they're going to take, look at their promo videos, look at who they're marketing. We picked out Amanda Levi or Levi a week in advance of this fight card. We felt like she was the one that they were looking at. Simple signs, like the fact that she does have a really big fan following already on social media. Like, they like that. For Thad Jean, same thing. We could see that they liked him ahead of time. We haven't even looked at the card so much for this week coming up. But whatever looking we do at the card, it's going to be very light. Because the takeaway that I'm taking away from the last two weeks of the PFL is that this is a reality TV show where the predetermined script of what the organization wants to see happen is what's going to probably happen. Those little fan vote numbers on the bottom of the screen that they put there for the broadcast, like the fans are voting this and the numbers are going up and down. I don't know if that's fake. I just kind of sense that it's fake. When the celebrities vote one way and then the fan votes come in the other way and then Ray Seffel comes in and has to be the deciding factor, you could do it this way. Like You could be the production and simply say, listen, no matter what the celebrity fan votes is, no matter what they do on this evening, just go the opposite with the fan vote. And so Ray Seffel can go in there and have his Dana White moment. They could also do this. They could say, we really want to make sure that these, this fighter wins this is an important thing if this fighter makes it to the final we could we could corroborate the fan vote and the judges vote to be the same and they win that's it but again if the judges go the other way we want to go ahead and make this fighter for sure winning we're going to give the fan vote to them Ray Seffel comes in and finishes it off so yeah I came walking away like you know this is a reality show it's not real MMA, low-level fighting, and you know I know it's their best version, the PFL's best version of trying to be like the anyway contender series, but it just doesn't quite pass the the smell test, right? Is that what people say? The smell test doesn't pass the smell test, and so moving forward, whatever coverage we give in the PFL for at least the challenger series for right now, it's going to be light. Um, I'll say from a betting perspective with the PFL, one thing we didn't do well with this week was was the underdogs. We usually like to plug the underdogs, but there was no big underdogs who won, right? So Woods didn't win, and you know, so we didn't have any big dogs that did win. That's usually why I like the PFL. The PFL, it's better to just like bet blindly, pick a few dogs, bet on them. The bigger the dogs, the better, because usually they get some dogs falling, you know, out of nowhere and winning fights, and it happens every single time. There's a a normal fight card now for the Challenger series, ugh, up and down. 
But that was it for last week for mixed martial arts for the fight cards we're going to talk about. That was PFL Week 2. That was Bellator 290. That was UFC Vegas, Spivak versus Lewis. We talked a few top stories. We did our reveal. Again, the reveal for Blood Money MMA. We'll do it every single week. He'll send me a video clip of his pick. And this week, it was Kinoshita fighting Fugit in the fight going under two and a half rounds at minus 140. And a great spot. Now, if you want to tail any of Blood Money's bets or any of his information, it's 100% for free. It's available on Instagram. And it's also available on his YouTube channel. His information is down below. Guy's very sharp. Only gives like four or five just bets. So it's like very simple, very clean, easy to, easy to tell him. Has a Discord now. Has a nice channel. Does a few shows throughout the week with Johnny K Picks. Matter of fact, I want to give a shout out to all those guys. Johnny K Picks, Never Hedge Media, my buddy Kyle Miller. For Kyle Miller, if you look down below in, in the description here, you're going to see his information to check out his channel. But what Kyle does, which is awesome, is he has a handful of contests that he runs. And the one contest, which I love, is the survival pool, where it's like a $25 buy-in. You pick a few fights every week. You know, you got to make it to the very end, winner take all type of thing. It's the third season he's running it. He does it until there's a winner, and then, you know, he'll reset, get the new season going. But it's a really cool concept. Your money's safe. It's with League Safe. Again, that's Kyle Miller over at Never Hedge Media. You can find him on Twitter under his name, Kyle Miller at Never Hedge Media, right? His information is down below. Look him up. Great contest. Good guy. And then, of course, Johnny K. Picks, my buddy. He does some work over there with Blood Money. They do a show together every week. Partners in crime. Good stuff. Good content. So I want to thank those guys. Those guys are always very supportive, always driving traffic to us, always retweeting and, you know, just sharing the love, which I appreciate. A look ahead. We're at 1.32 in the morning here, Eastern time on the 6th of February. So look ahead. What's on tap? Well, we're all looking forward to UFC 284, right? Man. Sometimes I look at the numbers and I'm like, we're at this number already? We're at this number already? So 284, which feels like in some ways they just announced it a few months ago. Like It feels like it was just like not too long ago. And it's like, now it's right upon us. We're lucky. We get so much mixed martial arts. That's another reason why people were saying, oh, you know, this UFC Vegas 68 card was not so good. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. It's, you know, wasn't that bad. We got some end of the tournament type of thing with those other fighters, you know, plus some good stuff. All right, so UFC 284, Makachev versus Volkanovski. We're going to find out two things. The last two fights in the card are belt-determining fights. So there's going to be some goals determined right here, okay? So Volkanovski and Makachev for the lightweight strap. And then the co-main event is going to be Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Featherweight strap. And so two title fights will be determined. Moving down, you got Randy Brown versus Madalena. Parker Porter versus Justin Taffa. Parker Porter getting a live event main card out there in Australia. My American has come a long way. Jimmy Crute versus Alonzo Menefield. That opens the main card. Tyson Pedro, who's from down under, versus Modestus Bukalkis. Joshua Kulabau versus Melsic Boxadarian. Boxadazarian. Oh, God. Butchered that enough. Clayton Rodriguez. Shannon Ross, Francisco Pradro, 
Jamie Malarkey, Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanus, Elise Reed versus Luma Luke Bume, Blake Builder versus Shane Young, and Elvis or Elves Brenner versus Tugov. Tugov, right? That's your full card. We started the breakdown actually earlier tonight. When I done with this live feed, I'm going right back to it. I'm going to have a long night here. I could tell you early on that I do like Tukov to win the fight over Elves, but but Elves has submission ability, and Tukov is like a big ass favorite, and he's got red flags all over the place. Look for that full breakdown. I go over all of it, but there's some red flags there. He's a big favorite. Very careful with that fight, guys. Elves Brenner by submission needs to be on the radar. Blake Builder, I think he wins his fight over Shane Young. That's my initial take on it. Actually, that's my full take. I did a full breakdown on that fight. I think Blake Builder stays undefeated technically with the one draw. He's got a really nasty ground game. Shane Young will be fighting in home territory, so there's he's got that going for him, but I think Builder's got it here. Next fight, Luma Luke Boomy versus Elise Reed. I think split decision is a good call here. If your book offers split decision either way, that's a good bet to take. But I like Luke Luke Bume to win this split decision. I think she's going to be a little sharper on the feet. Her striking stats show that she's the more accurate striker. She lands with more volume and absorbs less punches. Elise Reed is negative striking ratio, absorbing more punches, dishing out less. So the fight's on the feet for the better part of three rounds. Luma probably wins the fight. That's just my thinking. And that's the only three fights that I've gotten to. Actually, no, that's not true. I did do the Tyson-Pedro fight, and that one, I have an interesting take on that one. I do not think that Tyson-Pedro warrants the price tag that he's sitting at. And a matter of fact, I would take a real good hard look at Modestus Pacalcus here. Here's some little stats for you. Tyson-Pedro has never won a fight that went out of the first round. Not a lot of fights, but still over 12 fights. He never won a fight that left round one. He's been at around two, he's been at around one twice. One time lost by decision. The second time he got knocked out. So for Bukalkis, it's pretty simple. Get to round two. You know, that's that's the first threshold, right? Can he survive the first wave from Tyson Pedro? A lot of red flags for both guys. Both have had knee injuries, so on and so on. But I do like Bukalkis there as a significant underdog. I mean, not the biggest underdog in the world, but as an underdog. And I would look at Bukalkis like into the distance. KO or submission, maybe a club and sub, you know, just all scenarios that I would consider. But otherwise, I have not touched the rest of the card. I mean, popping out to me offhand, I like Clayton Rodriguez against almost anyone at this point in his career, meaning like anyone that he's facing that's of his area or skill level. And Shannon Ross, you know, not a bad fighter, but Clayton's super talented. So I do like Clayton Rodriguez to win his fight. I like Jack Jenkins. The books like Jack Jenkins. I mentioned I like Luma. Um, moving up the main card, Jimmy Crute and Bennett Menefield is going to be good. I, I'm not even sure how I feel about that one. Justin Taffa is probably going to beat Parker Porter because Parker Porter is just you know, not very skilled heavyweight. Uh, Madalena, I like him so much, but Randy Brown, the Jamaican sensation from New York, is no joke. So that's a fight I just don't know either. Coming event, again, I have to look at film on these guys, recent film. I, I know offhand what Yari Rodriguez does. I know offhand what Josh Emmett does. But you think you know. You, you rewatch some recent stuff, and it kind of gets back to you. And you're like, you know what? Sometimes your assumptions or your your memory doesn't serve you correctly. The main event: Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. My initial lean is Islam Makachev. That's my initial lean. But I want to watch some film again on these guys, and I want to try to watch it as objectively as I can. 
I have a feeling, <laughs> this feeling that Volkanovsky, what? How about this? Not a feeling. I have seen Volkanovsky go to places that I have not seen Islam go to. We're talking about that one fight. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when he was literally getting completely choked out by what's his name? The Spanish fighter from Cali. I forgot his name, but you know what I'm talking about. He was in the guillotine of all guillotines. Like his legs were wrapped. You know, it was it was bad, man. And he, you know, he went from calm to panic, back to calm. Maybe kind of maybe fell asleep, came back. I don't know, man. I've seen Alexander Volkanovsky go to some places, man. I've seen him go places. I've seen him go places that most fighters wouldn't be able to do. We see fighters tap out for less. You know, we've seen fighters just have a lot less pressure than that, have have neck chokes that just got slid in just for a second, and the fighter's like... And then you got Volkanovsky, who... Well, now it's bugging me because I just want to remember who it was. Brian Ortega. Thank you, Bitsy. Jeez. Thank you. Brian Ortega, Bitsy writes in. Fender Jazz writes in. I love Luma's tie technique. Too bad she's so small. Adam Wade champ potential. Mm, good point. She is a little bit of the smaller stature. I think, though, in this matchup, the technique, striking numbers, like the numbers I have on her, I don't. I have to look it up here. Where is it at? Um, oh, I have it kind of handy here. I was just doing that breakdown not too long ago. So for Luma, she averages 4.21 strikes per minute and absorbs 2.56. Good volume, good ratio. At least Reed, though, averaging 2.77. Not quite double the amount for Luma, but Luma's averaging you know a full strike and a half more per minute. And then for, Lee, for Reed, she's absorbing 3.57 strikes per minute. Compared to 2.56 for, for Luma. So just numbers-wise, and there's a good sample size in these two, it looks like Luma has the advantage. Takedown-wise, surprisingly enough, Luma's averaging 1.83 takedowns for 15 minutes compared to half that amount, 0.94 for Elise Reed. I would have thought it would been the other way around. But the long and short of it is I think that Luma has the advantages in this fight, should win. Now, one thing I noticed here, I just want to talk about this real quick, is the fighters on the card and how the UFC, man, they have just done such a great job. They have become the ultimate international sport, you know, like basketball is an international sport, so is soccer. But the mixed martial arts world just recently became this, like, united thing. And obviously, UFC, Dana White have a lot to do with that. They are growing the sport in all corners of the world and, and uh, like him hate him, whatever you want to say about Dana, they, there's a brilliant game plan there, and it involves getting everyone involved. But look at that fight card for UFC 284. Volkanovski from Down Under, Jack Maddalena from Down Under, Justin Taffa from Down Under, Jimmy Crute from Down Under, Tyson Pedro, Joshua Kulabau. Wow, that's amazing. That's six. Seven for Shannon Ross. Eight, Jimmy Malarkey. Nine, Jack Jenkins. 10 Shane Young. Wow. So consider this. They have 13 fights. And in the matter of 13 fights, they're able to bring out 10 people from either New Zealand or Australia. That is tremendous. 
It's absolutely amazing. It just shows you the power of where the UFC is going. Like, for example, we had this card where they had a bunch of the fighters from you know South Korea and you know Japan on this card for UFC Vegas 68. You don't think that possibly the next, let's say, two, three years, COVID, because COVID in China is still a whole different thing. They open things up. China's about money. And we have a mega event in China. Like, it's a super card. And the main event's still going to be like a whatever. It'll be like a Zhang Weili, a top fight. But the entire prelim card and will be flooded with a bunch of fighters that are on the UFC roster that are really from South Korea, that are really, you know, from, I mean, brilliant. Brilliant, I tell you. Like, if they had an African card, right? If, they, if the UFC had an African card, they have some fighters they could put together already. You know, they've got Nigerian Nightmare, you know, Usman. They've got, um, even though he's now in New Zealand, but Israel Asanya, you know, claims lineage from, from Niger as well. So, yeah, UFC is setting things up. We just had the Brazil card, right? They had all those Brazilian fighters. UFC getting it done. So, I have been stiffed tonight, it looks like. I have been here all alone for the last, whatever, hour and 45 minutes. We were, unfortunately, not joined by some of our guests tonight. But let me tell you something that's part of the game. You, uh, When you're trying to get people for interviews... <laughs> that are people with busy schedules, I'll tell you that. And not to mention our show is very late, so it doesn't always work out time-wise. But the fighters that weren't on tonight, I'll re-circle back with them this week and we'll get them back on. We do have a handful of pre-taped interviews. And initially I thought I could play some of those interviews maybe during the show, but you know, that kind of like playing past coverage during a live show just doesn't really hit the same. But look out this week for the full interview with Sadabu C from the PFL. We sat down with him about two weeks ago. We released some cuts of that interview, but that full interview will drop this week. Also, the full interview with Sajara Eubanks, which was very eye-opening interview. Say what you want. I, I understand some people are not fans of Sajara because you know the missing weight. People have their assumptions that they know her story, that they didn't know her. Hear what she has to say. Quite interesting. Um, she just got released by the UFC. She kind of broke that nose. That nose. <laughs> she broke that news to us during our interview. But uh, then also Quamel Otani. We had a chance to interview Quamel Otani, who will be fighting, fighting for the PFL, excuse me, later in March. He was supposed to fight in the PFL Challenger Series week number one, had a visa issue, couldn't make it. We talked, had a translator with us. He's from Brazil, speaks Portuguese. The translator was awesome. And the reason we reached out to him was not because of the missed fight. My man fought against Alex Pereira back in the day, mixed martial arts, and he actually submitted Alex Pereira, I believe, round number two. So he's got that feather in his cap. I even asked him during the interview, like, could you do that again? You know, if you fought him now, could you do that? So we get into it a little bit. We talk some details, but he's a young up-and-coming prospect. For sure, the PFL is giving him an opportunity because they recognize the lineage there. You know, he's got the win over Pereira. I'm sure when he fights in the PFL, he'll be running that clip again and again of him beating Pereira. But so that interview will be dropping this week as well. Some recent interviews, if you haven't seen them already, check them out. The interview with uh, Jennifer Mai was really cool. I did my very best to speak some version of Portuguese in that interview. That interview was fun to do, but just, she's amazing. There's sub there's subtitles for the interview for those who don't speak Portuguese, obviously. <laughs> but Jennifer Myers, a legend. She fights at UFC 
285 or 86. One of those two coming up. She's fighting. We also spoke with Alejandra Lara, who just fought in the Bellator 290 this past week and unfortunately lost, but really good interview. I hope she doesn't leave Bellator or Bellator lets her go or something like that. She's a really, you know, real sweet person. She when she lost this fight, always gracious, humble in defeat. Thought maybe she won though. It was the bloody nose. That's what did it. That's definitely what did it. So. And so, yeah, check out our interviews, guys. We have a handful of interviews up here on our YouTube channel. Almost all of our interviews that are up here on our YouTube channel and almost all the content that you hear here, whether it's live shows or pre-recorded content or breakdowns, all of that usually makes its way to our podcast. If you don't know already, we have a podcast. Yes, this is all podcast eligible. So if you go to wherever you listen to your podcast and uh, just simply look up MMA Fight Club, search MMA Fight Club, look for the black and yellow logo, You'll see our podcast. You can subscribe, follow, share. Maybe give us a good rating. Like give us a five. Give us a nice five-star rating. But there you'll get some of the same content. So I know for me, like when I'm traveling in my car, the YouTube thing can be a little bit more sketchy because I'm trying to like get the play button and try to get the screen. And I'm like, uh, but for the podcast, it's like, oh, pop the podcast on, forward, you know, go back, whatever, the whole nine. So we do have most of our content available via podcast. A few last plugs before I let you guys go. Again, check out our Substack newsletter. Completely free, full breakdowns, tip sheets for just about every single UFC, PFL, Bellator. PFL, maybe we might be backing up a little bit, but most PFL events, um, Invicta, Bellator, UFC, that kind of thing. It's 100% for free. Super accurate information, backed by statistics, film study. You get only a few emails per week with the information newsletter and tip sheet we don't spam you we don't reach out to you every day fill your inbox with a bunch of junk and all that stuff follow us on twitter you'll find that link down below for may fight club's twitter account and also on the instagram we also have a tiktok account too little clips there of some of our videos some of our interviews so we're also over there we'll put our quick picks video up on tiktok which is like a it'll be like 30 seconds 60 seconds, a minute of the picks for an entire car. We call it our quick picks. That's available for almost every single car. Now, sometimes due to time constraints, we may cut it out or maybe the size of a car. Like if it's a PFL car, we're not going to do a quick picks. It's just four fights. Kind of defeats the purpose, right? But for, let's say, a full card for a UFC like Fight Night card or UFC pay-per-view card, you'll get all the picks there in less than a minute. We just run through it real fast as part of our quick picks video. But that's available on our YouTube page and also available on uh, TikTok. So on that note, boys and girls, I see that we have whittled down to a very small audience of one. Uh, whoever's here with us still, thank you for stopping by. And all those who came through tonight, thank you so much for stopping by. This is a weekly thing, a weekly show. This is episode four of Midnight MMA. And usually we have some guests live with us who come through, guests being fighters. Unfortunately, tonight looks like we were unable to secure the privilege of the company of some of those guests, but things do come up. We do understand. It's also why we try to prevent from announcing guests in advance. You know why? Because if they can't be here or time prevents, whatever, we don't want to look a fool, right? <laughs> so we try to prevent from doing that. So the guests that couldn't make it tonight, it's okay. We didn't blow up your spot. No one was expecting you. 
but I'll be reaching out to them. We'll get them back on soon. So we're on to UFC 284 coming up this week. It's going to be on Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern Start Time down in Australia. I just want to double-check my schedule to make sure I'm not missing something from what's coming up this week. PFL is going to be on Friday. That's PFL number three. That'll be the uh, light heavyweight division. I'm not even sure, but that'll be four bouts, all men. LFA 152 is also on Friday. We don't cover LFA enough here. I do like LFA, good promotion. But LFA 152 is going to be on Friday night. Like, there's another example. Why are both events at the same exact time? There's enough space in the week. We can mix this thing up. So, anyway, guys, that's your show for tonight. Thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate you guys being here with us. I appreciate the company. As we close down episode four for Minute MMA, I look forward to next week. We'll have some new guests in the show for you. We'll have some more content. We'll be reviewing, of course, UFC 284 and talking about the week that was. The one thing I missed this week, before I let you go, the one thing I missed, oh, by the way, we got Bitsy in here. What's up, Bitsy? Bitsy writes in here, I'm going for the card, just disappointed it's a bit watered down. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, dude. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you very much, bitch. You have a wonderful night. So, yeah, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to cut off the airwaves here, let things go. Look at our other content, check out our channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, whatever else. It is right now at 1.52 a.m. Eastern time on the 6th of February. Once I end the broadcast, I'm diving right back into filming because I'm in the middle of breaking down UFC 284. Hoping to have that full breakdown for you guys, like the full Monty video and everything sometime late into Monday, if not early Tuesday of this week. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you guys soon. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you as well for joining us. Don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast. And we'll see you guys very, very soon. Deuces.